This is 680 CJOB. Welcome to the show, everyone, and I hope you're taking advantage of a beautiful November weekend. How many restaurants do you know that have been around for 30 years? This is a major feat for any business, but for a restaurant, it's a lifetime. Well, Bernstein's Deli has done just that, and I'm chatting with Aaron Bernstein today about all the great food and services they offer that have made them a staple in Winnipeg for so long. Hey, Aaron. How's it going tonight, man? Another great day. Another great day. Um, Let's start by having you explain what Bernstein's Deli is and the services you offer. Okay. Well, we have been a staple of the River Heights community for, it's our 32nd year. Uh, We're primarily- Just a little bit of time. Just a little bit of time. I was two years old when we opened, so- I didn't work there then, but uh, my parents opened it up. Uh, Jewish Deli, over the years, it's evolved quite a bit. So at first, we were a full butcher shop with a small restaurant, a bit of prepared food. We used to even have fresh produce. We've evolved over time. Now we're primarily a restaurant with some catering services and lots of uh, food that we make ourselves available to take home. Frozen soups, fresh made different salads, chicken salad, different Jewish specialties like gefilte fish, potato latkes pickled tongue, chopped liver, all that kind of good stuff. And um, yeah, both sides of the business kind of feed each other, which is nice. And that's sort of the quick gist of what we are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So when the business first opened, was it that? Was it just a deli or was it just a restaurant? Or was was the idea it was going to be both? Uh, The restaurant came later. Like, I guess it started off as the way it's explained to me. You know, if you can slice me meat and you sell bread, can you make me a sandwich? (laughs) And if you make soup, can you warm it up and put in a bowl for me? (laughs) So I think we had like two or three tables in the mid 80s. And then, you know, over time, oh, we may as well cook some eggs. We may as well do this and that. Before you know it, we're a full-blown restaurant. That is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, so how did you get involved? I know I know that this is this was not your this is not your field of work, was not your field of right. work years ago. Yeah. So I come from a mechanical engineering background. Yep. And basically once I'd finished my degree and was working in the industry, I just found myself not enamored by what I was doing every day. Like, you know, I wasn't super thrilled to be getting up and going to work and I thought I need some change and I saw you know, my mom running this business successfully, but it was kind of dragging a bit. It, it uh, needed a bit of new life in it. Mm-hmm. Um, she was reducing her hours and her staff and just sort of doing what she could to hold on. She'd be doing it forever. And so I saw an opportunity there to partner with her and uh, just try and, you know, take the brand recognition that we had and all the years that we'd already been around mm-hmm. and try and leverage that and do a bit more. Um extend our hours, bring in more staff, better service, try some new things. And uh, so far it's been well received. Had you entertained that idea before? Had you, has your mom, had she discussed bringing the kids in the business before? You know, most people, when they have a business, the whole intent sometimes is to, you know, hand it down to the kids. Yeah. No, she tried to talk me out of it. She thought it was, a, <laughs> you know. Don't do it. Yeah. Well, she feels like, you know, at the time she was probably working every minute a place was open, right. so about 60 hours a week, which oh, is a lot. A, yeah, it's and, tons. Uh, she felt like I might struggle to have balance in my life if I'm there. It would take a lot out of me, and uh, you know, I have this education. Why did I get it if I'm not going to use it? Mm-hmm. You know, all those motherly things. Of course. And, you know, I said, well, at the end of the day, you know, I want to see you um, reap the benefits of all the effort you've put in. And I feel like the education I have can come to good use in mm-hmm. some ways. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm not, a good boy. I'm not designing airplanes <laughs> or anything, yeah. but just like the logical thinking, strategic planning, um, things like that, and just ability to 
look ahead at the big picture and things. How has that worked for you both? Like, I, I know that you guys have worked to, you want to keep everything, you know, the classic food and, and what people who are, are loyal to your restaurant slash deli um, have come to for for the last 30 years. In the same regard, you want to make sure that you're you're changing. You want to change things too and, and move forward. So how has that worked with uh, with you coming on board? Yeah, well, I always try to like look ahead, you know, three months, six months, a year and have a couple goals at a time. And the way my mom approaches it is she trusts me. And as long as she doesn't have to do anything extra, I can try it out. So, you yeah. know, I want to open Sundays. As long as I don't have to work Sundays, you can open Sundays. I want to open evenings. I'm still going home in the afternoon. That kind of thing, you know? <laughs> You're so, on your own. Yeah, if I can find staff, <laughs> don't burn the place do down. my own. And, of course, you know, hopefully just continue to grow the business through that. You know, I, I, f- I like the scientific method approach. It's all trial and error. If something's not working, we can cut ties after a bit. Yep. Um, so, for example, about six months after I was there, we – decided this gluten-free thing is like a big thing. It's not just a fad. So we still offer lots of gluten-free options on our menu, but I decided to have a display of gluten-free products. And for the first three or four months, it was great. People were buying things. We were reordering. It's great. And then, you know, a year later, all the stock's going stale. So, you know, we were like, okay, we'll carry a couple things. We don't need to focus on this um, because it doesn't seem to have staying power. It doesn't work for the type of business we are. Mm -hmm. People aren't coming to a Jewish deli looking for, for gluten-free stuff. different gluten-free dessert and baking options. Right. So, you know, recognize that and move forward and try something else. Right. So one of the changes you guys made also, I think, was uh, more local things, more local ingredients and stuff like that? Yeah. So we've done three summers now. We just finished our most recent one uh, using uh, CSA, Community Supported Agriculture. Yep. So every week we get a bunch of organic vegetables and a little bit of fruit um, from a local organic farm. The one we bought from happened to be in Melita, but they came to the River Heights Market every week. Yep. Uh, Food Ethos Farm, really nice people. And uh, it was great. There was a bit of a, an element of mystery to it. Every week we'd see what the bounty is and have to come up with how are we going to sell this stuff, you yep. know, keep, make some specials, process things, mix it into what we already do. Um, but it was all well received, you know. It gave us a lot of opportunity to do some good, like, vegetarian things um, and also not just vegetarian things, but to use the ingredients. And uh, we definitely see some people that show up, you know, every Sunday or second Sunday all summer that we don't really see in the winter because they know they're going to get that fresh, organic, healthy stuff from us at that time of year. Why was it important for you guys to make that change to to have more local uh, products and ingredients? Uh, Yeah, like that's just one example. But I think just generally um, supporting local, it just makes sense. Like if I could buy... Uh, something that was produced in Manitoba and look the person in the eye that grew it. And if there's an issue, we can talk about it versus some faceless corporation or something trucked in from the U.S. or overseas. And then, you know, who knows how things are actually handled. Right. You know, I haven't really toured every facility that we deal with, but I've been to many. And uh, it's just nice to be able to look at an operation, see that things are good, see that they're making a positive impact on the community. Uh, why not support that? Right. Makes sense. We are going to return after this short break and continue our conversation with Aaron Bernstein from Bernstein's Deli and get a little bit into their menu items. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I'm here talking with Aaron Bernstein from Bernstein's Deli, who knows that every good restaurant has their signature items on their menu that keep people coming back. So we are discussing some of theirs. Let's talk about some of your menu items. Well, sure. the, one that, the one that you know jumped out at me was the uh, chicken and waffles. Yeah. 
So that, that's got to be a popular one on your menu. It's really right? popular. I think it's the tastiest thing we make. It's a bit of a misleading uh, name of an item because mm-hmm. it's actually chicken fingers on little pancakes. Yeah, really? We don't have a waffle maker <laughs> and uh, we just – we love our chicken fingers so much. But we we make this blueberry sauce and this chipotle infused maple syrup uh, that goes with it and it's just crispy, like delicious, really bright from the blueberries. Yep. Sounds awesome. Mouth. It's great. Let's yeah. go get some after this. Um, <laughs> um, the chickpea almond burger? Yeah. We make two different uh, vegetarian burgers. Yeah. So that one has egg in it. It's not vegan. We sure. also do a black bean wild rice burger, which is vegan. Yeah. How has that gone over? Uh, good. The chickpea almond, it's kind of its own unique thing. Like it's not like a veggie burger. Mm-hmm. It just is, is a burger patty that happens to be vegetarian. Yep. Um, like we serve it with sliced cucumber and a spicy mayo and it's a little bit like, you know, with the cucumber, it's crisp and cool. Right. Uh, whereas the black bean burger, the vegan one, uh, it's more of like a vegan replacement for a burger. Okay, yeah. Eats more like a burger. Right. Uh, but yeah, they're they're great. People love them. We sell them frozen if you want to take some home and cook them yourself to serve. Do, um, do a lot of the items on your menu, is it, is it like that? Are there a lot of things on your menu that you can actually find in the deli and take home? Anything on our menu we will sell to you. We don't necessarily advertise it for everything, no. but uh, if you're eating something you like and you want to bring some home, you know, we'll sell it to you at the right price to uh, make sure we can accommodate that. Even the sauces that you make there? Yeah, like, the compotes. Uh, the, we make all the jams ourselves. We yeah. can sell those. So awesome. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. Um what about the – you guys sell the soups too, right? You guys uh, do frozen soups that people can take home also, homemade? Yeah. We have about – I think there's 28 types now um, that we have. So you can expect to find at least 20 in our freezer at any given time. Yep. You know, we sell many of them quickly, but uh, handy. it's amazing. About the only things we sell frozen are soup because we just sell so much of it. We can't justify carrying anything else. Right. Um, so yeah, different chicken noodle, chicken matzo ball. Um, some of the vegetarian soups are my favorites. The carrot and butter bean has like a really unique texture to it. Yep. The way that the giant uh, fava beans break down to the broth. It's very like rich, um, but it's a simple, healthy soup. Mm-hmm. We do a curried pea bean and lentil, which is a vegan soup that's yeah, very that sounds, tasty. That sounds really good. Um, and the most popular ones would be like beef and barley, the cabbage borscht, which has beef we serve in the restaurant every day. And uh, mushroom barley, which I've never eaten because I despise mushrooms, but that's a very popular soup for us. <laughs> <laughs> At least you're honest. Yeah. They're hilarious. Um, hey, let's talk about the other changes. So now you got you guys have uh, – you got a liquor license in September. Do a lot yeah. of people know that? Uh, last September. So last it's been September. a bit over a year now. Yeah. yeah. Um, people still ask us every day, like, are you licensed? And it's like, well, yeah. Um, we have a drink menu on the table. So yeah. we'd hope that people will notice that, but many don't. Many regulars come every week and just – order the same and don't even look around. Right. Um, but yeah, it's been great. We actually got it for Burger Week two years ago um, because we felt like it just tied in together so well. And we've Beer just, and burgers, come on. Exactly. Hello. Exactly. And uh, just been moving with it. So we're not doing any crazy cocktails or anything, but you know, we have some hard alcohol you can mix with anything we offer. We have about 70 or 80 different drinks we sell. Yep. Um, we do all the local Fort Gary and Half Pints beer. We're hoping uh, to bring in some of the other breweries that have just opened up soon. Yeah, the beer's re- doing really well, especially during Burger Week. We sell just tons of it yep. and uh, on evenings and, you know, lots of like uh, Jameson or Bailey's and Coffee on a Sunday morning. And sometimes we do mimosas. Yep. 
Um, Billy's and coffee, good way to start your Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. That's nice. And when I came to see you guys, had uh, TVs installed. Huh? What's, yeah. what's, what's the main uh, purpose of those? Well, the inspiration came f- just from seeing like TVs being used as, as menu boards everywhere. Right. And I thought, you know, we have this old blackboard that we write specials on and uh, it's so static mm-hmm. and it's like a lot of effort to upkeep and stuff. And with the TV, you know, you just make an image and throw it on a TV. So as of now, we're only using them to show sports, but in the next couple what of weeks. What a terrible thing. What a terrible thing, yeah. <laughs> in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be using them for marketing during the day. And, yep. and then the intent also with bringing the TVs in was to extend our hours further and stay open whenever the Jets are playing. You know, I love the Jets. I know most of my friends do. Right. And uh, there's really nowhere to walk to in the middle of River Heights to go catch a game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of a, a desert in terms of, you know, watering holes. Yep. Uh, so we thought, you know, we're in a, a nice, like, unpretentious place. We'll do cheap beers. We're doing $4 tax in local beers during Jets games. Awesome. Um, and it's just like another option. Yep. And it's, you know, I'm there a lot anyway, so now I can watch the games while I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> so I need another beer. I'm busy right now. Yeah. Um, let's talk about uh, Burger Week. Mm-hmm. How did that go for you guys? And what was the burger that you entered? This year we called it a super delicious fried chicken burger. It was uh, a chicken thigh that we brined in our corned beef brine. Yep. We make our own corned beef. For the beef, it's a 12-day brine. For the chicken, it was a five-day brine. Mm-hmm. Um and then we battered it in rye flour with just no other seasoning. There was so much juiciness in that chicken. Um, it got crispy and nutty with the rye flour batter served on a, a challah bun from City Bread yep. and uh, with our coleslaw and some hot mustard and mayo and some sliced almonds pickles. You really should stop product. talking about food right now. This yeah. is so not good. That sounds awesome. It was great. And the first couple of years, so, so this was our third burger week. The right. first burger week we were in, we finished in second place. We did a breakfast burger, kind of our version of an upscale McGriddle sandwich. Mm-hmm. And it was very well received. We sold about 350 in a week. Right. Which for us, we have a 200-item menu. It was great. So many. And then last year, we tried to do something a little healthier. We did a turkey burger. And we sold about 420. So more, but not a ton more. Right. But still, hey, you're moving up. That's yeah. good. And then, the, you know, the competition was larger. It was 30-something restaurants the first year, 40-something last year. So I think we finished in fifth, not quite as high. But, you know, it's not just about where you finish. We had a great time, good turnout. So this year we thought, okay, you know, fried chicken's got mass appeal. Maybe we'll sell 500 burgers. Yep. So we had 170 ready for the first day. I thought <laughs> that would last us two or three days. Yep. And we were open till 10 p.m. and we sold out by 7 p.m. <laughs> of all 170. So then we got 250 ready for the next day. Right. I got people coming in at 6 a.m. to start making these chickens, getting them ready for us, bread <laughs> them, sold out again. And then things leveled off a bit. So all in all, we did a little over 1,500 in the week. So you go from four what to 1,500? 420, yeah. So it's like nearly four times. That is insane. Uh, the news, sports, and weather are up next at the bottom of the hour. And when we return, we are going to continue our conversation with Aaron Bernstein from Bernstein's Deli. And we're going to talk about the burgers they made during Burger Week in 2016. This is Kevin Bergen on The Main Ingredient on 680 CJOB. Hey guys, this is Kevin Bergen from The Main Ingredient. Have you ever had a burger with a pancake, bacon, and a burger patty? After the news, sports, and weather at the bottom of the hour, we are talking with Aaron Bernstein from Bernstein's Deli. 
And we're going to continue to talk about the burgers they made for Burger Week in 2016 on 680 CJOB. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. Burger Week took place this year from September 1st to the 7th here in Winnipeg with more restaurants and never participating. And I'm continuing my conversation here with Aaron Bernstein from Bernstein's Deli to talk about their creations for such an anticipated week by many burger lovers, which includes myself. The good thing, you know, we try to use our minds when we come up with these things. Like our, our chef, uh, Beth Jacob, uh, has been part of all three burger weeks. Yep. And so the first year, uh, we had a pancake, we had bacon, we had a burger patty. Three things that need to go on our grill. We only have a f- three-foot grill. And so, you're kicking out that many of that. Well, so we could only make like five at once, and it would take 15 minutes on the grill. So like it really slowed our operation down. But for people sure. were happy to wait an hour for this burger. So last year with the turkey burger, just the patty was grilled. Yep. Everything else was like spinach and goat cheese and pesto. Mayo right. So it's ready stuff. to go. Boom, ready grill go. that. It's on. Go. Yeah. But, um, so it was easier to execute. And then this year, uh, nothing had to go on the grill. We just deep fried the chicken. So yep. we could deep fry 12 at once. Right. Take about seven minutes. We could just pump them out. And uh, so. Thank God. Could we, you imagine if it was the like the uh, previous years? Right, you would have been screwed with the oh, amount that you that we, you pumped out. We wouldn't have been able to sell as many, but um, and you know the important thing too is that everyone really liked it. We had people coming back like day after day, not even a few people, not even trying other burgers, yeah. just going nuts for ours. Um, but so then we we realized, you know, people like to eat French fries with burgers, and we just have the one deep fryer. So we decided to make twelve special combo meals with like a little bit of a discount. Uh, with nothing deep fried as a side. Yep. So we got a potato laka, which is like a shredded potato pancake yeah. with some sour cream on the side and some coleslaw or a bowl of soup or a potato knish, which is another potato-filled pastry. Uh, I guess Jewish people eat a lot of potato pastries. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and what happened was probably only about 10% of people wanted fries with their burger. Really? It was, so that really helped things. If people just wanted fries, 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 right. they slowed us down. But again, like we could make – this burger faster than we can make a plate of bacon and eggs. And we offer our full menu always. Right. So all the regulars coming in, it's another thing we have to be sensitive to. Because right. when we get really busy, you know, lots of regulars will just turn around and walk out. They don't mm-hmm. want to wait and it's understandable. They'll be back the next day anyways. Right. Um, but if they do come in, you don't want that slowing them down, right? You still exactly. Want we want people to get the same service they expect and to be able to get their table and, you know, maybe wait five minutes. And actually, I don't think at any point there was more than a 15 minute wait for a table with all that. Those burgers we pumped out. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so you're obviously going to participate next year? Yeah, I've got a few ideas spinning around in my head. Uh, Already. Un- unfortunately, our, our chef has left us to be a mommy. She's about How to dare have she? twins any day now. Yeah. Um, maybe even has had them by now. I'm in pretty close touch with her, so as of this morning, she hadn't. But uh, so, you know, we're going to be going in a bit of a new direction, but – she left us in a great place yep. and uh, I was always a part of the creative process with her and I'm sure I could phone her up and she's got ideas for me too. Yeah. She just won't be there to uh, make them for everybody. Right. That's mm-hmm. okay. Um, the local frequency. You told me about that app. Yes. Maybe you can explain a little bit to everybody what that is, I think, which I think is awesome. So you can maybe explain a little bit more about it. Yeah. Well, uh, Tyler uh, approached me a few years ago. He works for Protegra, which is a local development company, mm-hmm. technology company. And they had been asked by the Chamber of Commerce to speak with small businesses about loyalty, customer loyalty, what do you do for it, what programs are you aware of, all this kind of stuff. So I 
was interviewed for that um, a couple times. And about a year or so later, he called me up again. He said, hey, look, based on the feedback that you and others gave us, we're going to try and make an app. What do you think of that? I'm like, well, it's a great idea, but, you know, that can mean a lot of things. Mm -hmm. So, again, I participated with them in a few meetings and with his uh, colleague Ian. Um, and I certainly didn't develop the app, but I feel like a lot of the feedback that I gave helped it shape what it became. Right. Um, it launched in February. When we joined at first, there was about five businesses. And over the next few months, they're up to 20, 30 businesses. And I haven't checked since early September, but there was about 60 at that time. Wow. So the concept here is, you know, I'm getting approached by people trying to get me to buy stuff all the time. Mm -hmm. Why don't you make a Bernstein's app? And I'm thinking, like, I wouldn't want a Bernstein's app on my phone. If I had an app for every business I shopped at, no, how would I be, find them? Right. I would never open them. Totally. So what they've decided is let's take the idea of supporting local business mm -hmm. and let's take the idea of helping – you know, reduce some of those business expenses. So at first, and it's changed now, but at first it was debit and cash only. So if I'm going to pay the bank a couple percent to process a Visa card, mm -hmm. why don't I give the customer a few percent to pay cash or debit right. and build loyalty that way? Um, so it was launched 3% if you pay cash or debit. One app, many businesses, has all the information you need for the businesses on there. And you collect at every business and you can spend what you've collected at any business. So you can shop at 30 different places and then take your family out for lunch at Bernstein's. Nice. For free. Or at a discount because <laughs> we're getting any points. Um, so it's great. And then just last week, they launched credit cards. So credit cards, uh, you only get 1%, but it's mm -hmm. still something because right. lots of people just want their air miles. I'm kind of the same way. I like to use my credit card when I can. So yep. I, you know, no hard feelings there, but now it's accessible to everyone. Um and they just keep adding more and more great local businesses. And it's a nice way to discover businesses because it's all there. You can look at a map, see what's near you. Right. Like I said, when I installed – well, when we were talking, I installed it right when we were uh, sitting mm -hmm. in your shop. And uh, yeah, it has all the information for them. And like I said, maps, their website, Instagram, whatever, and uh, all the information about it. I think it's pretty slick. Yeah. So, so far it's been well-received. Um and yeah, it's it's just a nice thing. You know, people were asking me for loyalty. Oh, I want a soup card. I want every 10th soup free. I want every 10th sandwich free. And it's like, you know what? Really? Do they really? Well, people say that. They're not super serious about right. it. But, you know, at the end of the day, if I'm giving every 10th soup away for free, that, that means I have to raise the price of my soup by 10%. Right. Yep. Like, you can't do that. Right. It's not sustainable. We're not Subway. Mm -hmm. uh, so this was a solution where, you know, you give something back to the loyal customers and it helps bring new people into your business that just discover you through the app and it's clean. It's one app on your phone and, you know, they have a goal. I don't know how far in the future, but to have 200 local businesses mm -hmm. just in the city of Winnipeg on one app. Right. Restaurants, service providers, clothing, different places. It's great. Yeah, I, I think it's a great idea too. I, I don't. I'm not a loyalty card kind of person. I don't really look for. Okay, I'm gonna add up my stuff and get something free. I just find it as a good database to great local businesses. That's usually when I, you know, when mm -hmm. I went in there, I'm like, okay, good. Hold, let me see what's there and kind of uh, knows my way through it. Um, okay, let's remind people. Let's some simple details of uh, of your business, which is you know the what, what your hours are now. I know okay, the, so yeah, we and where you're located. We're located 1700 Cordon in Cordon Village Mall at Lanark. Yep. So we're just a couple blocks east of Route 90 on, off Cordon. Uh, we are open seven days a week. Sunday's a short day for us. So we're only open 9 to 2.30 in the restaurant, yep. 4 in the store. 
Monday to Tuesday and Wednesday. We're open 8 a.m. to 7.30 in the restaurant, Mm -hmm. 8 in the store. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, 8 a.m. to 9.30 in the restaurant, 10 in the store. And then further with what we talked about earlier, the Jets are playing, we're open. So they're out west on a Tuesday night. We'll be open until 1 a.m. Nice. You know, whatever we need to do to be there, we want to be a reliable place. People know they can go to, catch a game, have a drink, socialize, all that kind of stuff. You're going to be like, Kevin, get out of here. You've been here like the last 10 Jet games. <laughs> um, uh, Aaron, I appreciate you coming in, man. Thank you. Thanks, bud. We'll take a short break and return with Cam Talbot and Tammy Rock from a unique dining spot called Close Company, and you'll find out why this great new restaurant truly lives up to its name. I'll talk to you in a few minutes. I'm talking with Cam Talbot and Tammy Rock from a unique dining spot called Close Company. And if you haven't been there yet, Cam is about to explain why the restaurant has its name. Close Company is a 12-seat restaurant. Um with a uh, open kitchen concept and uh, everything in plain sight. And when we tell people it's small, uh, the first words out of their mouths when they walk in is, wow, this is small. And <laughs> it's because there's just no, you keep thinking there's something behind that door or that wall, but it's outside. Like it's all right there. It's all right there. So what, you guys decided you were going to open a restaurant. Was that the first space that you saw that you decided? Or did you get the space first and then decide what was what was going to go in there? Like, I'm kind of curious... How it came about. We went there to see because we live across the street and uh, we were, you know, curious. Cam had been in there for the first time a couple months before for a haircut with the previous business owner. And uh, yeah, we were curious. I thought I might move my office into that space and it didn't really suit what I had in mind for an office space. But Cam's always had this dream of having a bar or a restaurant or something like that. He's a very social person. So I didn't notice not at all. <laughs> yeah, so I it just popped out actually. We over the years have discussed different spaces like specifically, but nothing ever felt quite right and like who wants to run a restaurant really and then, but somehow this idea just popped out of my mouth and then like 3 weeks later we had signed a lease without uh a really an idea of what the restaurant was going to be. We just decided to get it and go for it. So there was no planning, actually. <laughs> That's always good to know. <laughs> so when you signed the lease, in your mind, you'd already contemplated, you already decided that this was a restaurant. Other ideas had come in your head for the space at that point? Or it was always, hey, you know what? This is a restaurant. Well, the for rent sign went in the window. And it's it's a unique street in the sense that there's a few restaurants and uh, some other stores. And you just get the sense that it's a, it's a, it's a neighborhood on the rise in terms of um, maybe some commercial activity in that street in that area. So we were definitely interested in the space. Um, and when we walked in, we, we quickly thought about a few things. But right away, our tape measure was out to see if we could even possibly fit a restaurant in there. Mm-hmm. And a few weeks later, we'd, we'd convince them, convince ourselves at least that it was possible. Okay, so obviously, usually when people, you know, are taking up a new business or a business venture, they bounce it off their relatives and their friends. So you sign the lease, you two have discussed, yeah, this is a restaurant, who's the first person that you tell that you're, you know, you're, you're coming up with another business, you're, you're going to open a restaurant, and you bring them into this space. Their first reaction to, this, to the size of it is what? It was quite the secretive thing. So once we finally announced that we'd signed it, we had a couple of friends in, uh, had a celebratory uh, drink uh, to celebrate the future in the old barber shop, And then um, it was, uh, they were very supportive, but they tend to be supportive. So I would uh, discount their enthusiasm right off the top. <laughs> and it was seven months straight of, um, you know, 
planning, demolition, and uh, building out. And uh, then we opened in February of uh, this year. Like a soft open? You guys didn't announce your opening. Like, how did you, how did you do the opening? Uh, you know what? We did something ridiculous. We opened for three nights, and we invited everybody we knew, and we gave everything away for free. So that was an expensive weekend. But it was a lot of fun. And it just proved, well, it was the most important weekend because we were full, and we did two turns a night, and we proved that we could do it. Right. You know, there were some things lacking, but everything kind of more or less went. The food was good. The drinks were good. And we were able to serve that many people, which was the goal, right? So Yes, because the equipment is such a challenge. We didn't know if it could actually do what we were hoping it could do. And if the flavors and the food would be there and... Yeah, I don't know. It was just a real big challenge the first weekend. And we looked back after that weekend and we thought that it was amazing, that Frank did an amazing job. Yeah, our chef, Frank McCann, he came on board just a couple of weeks prior to us opening. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the restaurant itself and the, the type of food and the menu. And um, is it a pub style? What exactly, what, what kind of restaurant is it? Well, the food, the menu is designed to, there's, it's very concise. So there are six dishes typically, and then there's usually a special of some sort. And uh, all of the food is very fresh, and we try to do local as much as possible. And the plates are designed to be shared. So they're big flavors in each plate and you know, it's it's portioned in a way that people come there and they sit, they chat, they... They take, take their time, yeah. right? Have mm-hmm. some fun, share some food, and um, hopefully talk to their neighbors a little bit because sometimes you're elbow to elbow. Um, so that's that's the key. We have some dishes, uh, you know, as our website and everything gets developed, that'll all be accessible. But we have um, some of our more popular stuff, like a Moroccan meatball dish, a carpaccio dish, a really good beets and carrots dish. Um, for Everything Frank does, you know, it has... What we wanted was something that... We're pretty talented cooks at home, and her Tammy's family especially. Uh, it's it's hard to convince people to go out and spend money if the food is not even as good as it is at home, right? right. So the goal <laughs> was to create something that you know, wow, people awa- awaken some flavors and you know, and some senses in them that they haven't had before. And and Frank really gets that done. So so the size of the restaurant, what's the turnover like? When when people come, like you want them to stay, no doubt, and talk and mm-hmm. and uh, you know hang out. But with it being with with space being limited, you know, you kind of want to make sure that everybody. Well, of course, everybody can't get in, but you want at least as many people to experience your restaurant in a single night, right? Well, sure, you know, and on busy nights, um, I think we. we you know, the really good part is people who, who grasp the concept are, are quick to, we don't have to say anything. Like mm-hmm. they're sliding over. If they're done, they're get, they're standing up and they'll finish their drink at the bar and pay up and go. That's kind of cool to watch. We don't necessarily encourage that. But then there's folks who just find us and they'll, they'll finish their meals and take their time. And yep. again, if there's people waiting at the door, we'll just tell them to stand at the bar and wait and the table will open soon. It yep. usually all works itself out. But you get a sense that you know, somebody's looking to sit down and if you're done, you know, why wouldn't you want to get up and let somebody else sit down and, and finish up? There's no shortage of places you can go on the street and have another drink or have right. another dessert or do something else, right? So yep. Has that brought more business to your restaurant? Like I know there's a, there's a lot of, almost like a restaurant row that's going on in that area now. So how has that uh, contributed yeah. to your business? I find that uh, the our restaurant neighbors, they – you know, maybe have been there longer than us or have been doing the restaurant thing longer than us. And they do send people our way before and after. If they are they have a lineup waiting, they tell them to come by, have a drink with us, and they'll send them over afterward for dessert or 
you know, whatever. So it is very friendly that way. Sure. Even blocks away, some of restaurants, we have some um, good neighbors over on Lilac Street as well. And yeah, their staff, they, if they're sending, if they're not sending customers over, they're coming over themselves, right? So yeah, it's, awesome. it's fun. So I'm assuming you, they're, they're on a re- reservations. It's first come, first serve. Well, we're, we get a lot of people who want resos, but we, we just encourage them to come if they're in the neighborhood. It's usually not too hard to squeeze in. And, uh, or if they're coming from a little bit further away, just call ahead and we'll save a seat. Yep. You know, it's just that easy, but we're not going to get, we're not going to hold a book, uh, open with resos. Uh, we do do private parties. I mean, it's been, it's really unique. People like the room and they want to have a, a party with 12 people in there and, and mm-hmm. a set menu. Well, we'll do that. Now that's, that's a fun thing to do. And it's a fun thing for Frank to do as well, right? right. It gives him an opportunity to do something unique for a group of people. Um, but beyond that, yeah, we're not typically a reservation place. It's more of a cocktail joint that serves good food. So It's perfect. You guys, thanks for coming in. I appreciate it. Tammy, Cam. Thank you very much. Thank you, Kevin. No problemo. <laughs> we'll be back with more Main Ingredient after the break. This is Kevin Bergen from The Main Ingredient, and thanks, everyone, for tuning into the show today. I'd like to thank my guests Aaron Bernstein from Bernstein's Deli and Cam Talbot and Tammy Rock from Close Company Restaurant. Now that you have your radio food fill, get out there and enjoy what could be the last warm Winnipeg weekend. The news, weather, and sports is up next here on 680 CJOB. This is 680 CJOB.